Man, I think that um, everybody brought their A game because they knew how important this story was. Mm -hmm. You know, that, and um, it was their, con we're all artists at the end of the day. And all we're trying to do is do something that will, um, that we can be proud of. And, um, and this story is, uh, this makes me proud to be an American. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Lee Daniels' new biographical drama, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. The film follows the career of legendary jazz singer Billie Holiday as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by Black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. In addition to The United States vs. Billie Holiday, Mr. Daniels' other directorial credits include the feature films Shadow Boxer, The Paperboy, and Lee Daniels' The Butler, and episodes of the series Empire and Star. He was nominated for the DGA's Feature Film Award for his 2009 feature, Precious, based on the novel by Sapphire. Mr. Daniels spoke with director Michael Schultz about filming the United States vs. Billie Holiday in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to what I think is going to be a great conversation. Hey, Lee, how are you? How you doing, Michael? Nice How's to see you. <laughs> same here, same here. So, my man. Yes, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love your movie. Uh, but before we get into talking about it, I, I, I'd like to have you talk a little bit about your career. Because I started looking into Lee Daniels and said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. <laughs> so what, what possessed you to get into this business? Uh, I, when I was eight or nine, uh, I was at the library, public library in Philadelphia. And I, uh, I don't know what possessed me to go to the theater section in the uh, public library. And I went and picked up a book, the first book. I don't know where it came from, but it was in my hand. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I opened it up. I read it outside. Uh, I checked it out, read it outside the library, came home. And uh, on my stoops, uh, I, uh, I, I put uh, all my brothers and sisters and uh, neighbors. And uh, we read Martha and George. And, uh, and that was, I think, the first inkling. I didn't know what a director was at that time, but it was the first inkling I thought uh, that I wanted to do something that was in the arts. And, uh, and then I saw, uh, I saw Lady Sings the Blues when I was 13. And uh, I, my grandfather uh, was the manager of uh, the Locust Theater in West Philly. And uh, I sat in the theater for free and I saw two black people in love that were beautiful, Diana Ross and Billy Dee Williams and, and uh, Richard, the humor of Richard Pryor and the fashion that was going on there and the music that was incredibly produced by Barry Gordy and, uh, and Harlem. And, and you could smell the fried chicken coming from the screen. So it just, I wanted to, at that point I knew, I wanted to direct, I wanted to make people feel the way I felt uh, the way I felt. And I think that, that at that point, uh, I, uh, that was a turning point. And then I, around 21, I had gone away to college for a little bit 
and come home and I saw downtown Philly, I saw a movie, uh, um, uh, John Waters' movie, Pink, Flaming Pink Flamingo. Mm. And, and that blew my mind. I took my mother and my grandmother the next day and my grandmother slapped the shit out of me and said, what the hell, what did you take me to? And, I, and from her reaction, I said, I gotta get that reaction from, from people. So I think the combination of uh, those three things propelled me to, uh, incidences propelled me into wanting to become a filmmaker. But you started in casting? I started in casting. I started in casting, yeah. I started in casting um, music videos. Uh, I was working in music videos, commercials, um, commercials, music videos, um, Purple Rain as a casting assistant. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, and I was directing theater at a small church in uh, Baldwin Hills. Okay, so you have a theater background. Yeah, well, I didn't go to school for theater. I mean, yeah. I, I left school a year and a half for theater. I didn't ever went to film school, but yeah, I, I had a, I was directing theater because um, this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know that I, I didn't know that there were Michael Schultz's out there directing car washes. I never associated. I didn't know that there that there was that I dared to dream to become a director. You know, so I mean, <clears throat> when you look at uh, I'm gonna flip this, but when I look at you know your work, the the your early work, the um, you were doing it and. Uh, but you were the only one I think that was doing it. I'm almost certain of it. And so uh, that's why I'm so honored to have you here actually interviewing me. Um, Cause I'm gonna take this back to you a couple of times. <laughs> I'm sure. But no, I didn't know that there were Michael Schultz's out there because there was only one. And, um, and so, uh, so I, and I didn't know anything about the holding a camera. I didn't know anything about ADs. I didn't know anything about uh, production design or anything. So, um, I started in theater and, um, and then I segged from um, ca uh, casting to management. Mm -hmm. I started managing actors, Loretta Devine, and a bunch of other, yeah, actors, Cuba Gooding Jr. for a moment, just people that I had, uh, people that I, um, that I knew um, from the theater mm -hmm. that I worked with that I just decided that I, you know, let me find you some work because black people were not really getting work and I um and because I had done a little bit of the casting I knew both sides and uh and because I had directed I would work with these actors before the casting director would see them so mm -hmm. I come from a family of drug dealers and uh and so I had a little bit of hustle in me so mm -hmm. I knew how to get uh how to get people jobs and I knew how to um I knew how to uh get performances from people and mm -hmm. I also knew how to talk to actors uh uh, so that was a. That's how I ended up managing. And so, so that's what I really want to uh, talk to you about when we start talking about the film is how did you get some of those performances, which were killer, you know? Um, but you knew how to hustle, and you hustled your way into producing, right? I did. I did indeed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I um. Gosh, I mean, the first movie I tried to do was with um, Liam Neeson and uh, Angela Bassett, and it was uh, called uh, Carol Doyle, a black writer, half Irish and half black, um, wrote a script called Dance with the Devil that uh, Mark Rydell was going to direct. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was a badass script. And uh, Harvey Weinstein and he got into a big fight, and, and that, was my sh that was my shot at, so my first shot at producing that just went to the left. 
and, and, um, and then uh, was Monsters Ball. I was managing an actor named Wes Bentley, who I had gotten a job, got him a SAG card, and he'd done a film called um, um, American Beauty. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was determined to, you know, the world was coming at this boy with everything, Spider-Man, all these movies, you know, and he really didn't want to work. And so he was set to star in, um, in, uh, in Monsters Ball, and uh, I was going to produce it. I was a sole producer of the film, and, uh, and, uh, but he fell out. Um, and uh, the studio Lionsgate gave me 24 hours to replace him, or I was going to be replaced as the producer, as <laughs> I had finagled my way in there to produce. Right. And, um, and, uh, and I called Heath Ledger. And the rest is history. I called Heath Ledger, he was a friend of mine. And the rest he's got Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, a little Oscar action, you know. So, your your entree into the business was at a very high level, you know, and and it's great to see where you came from to where you are now. Because I'm going to put you. I hope you don't take this as an offense. But uh oh, I, am I going to get nervous now in front of all of our DCA members? <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna, Michael, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I'm going to make you the black Federico Fellini. <laughs> so I, you know, it's like we don't get, the, we don't get the kind of uh, accolades but you are in that level, in that Fellini level of directing. Um, and the, the US versus Billy holiday, I, I think is a beautiful piece of work. I mean, it's a culmination of all of the stuff you've been doing, but I think it is the best work that you've done uh, as a director. And um, thank you. So, how did you get the idea to do the film? Well, first of all, I'm blushing. So I just, you know, <laughs> I think, again, I'm going to throw it back to you. You know, car wash changed my life, man. The re those, those, all that stuff. Again, I'm so honored to have you here because, you know, you interviewing me because uh, car wash, it, I, I'd never seen black people move like that. Like you were giving it to me, like, with no shape, no chaser at all. And I think that that um, you inspire, people say I inspire them, you've inspired me, so so thank mm -hmm. you. And how did I do, why did I do Billy Holiday? Billy Holiday, but we started back from, uh, we started with um, Lady Sings the Blues, as I said. So mm -hmm. I would say uh, uh, four, four years ago, Susan Laurie Parks, uh, um, Joe Roth and Kirschenbaum, Kirsch and Joe gave me a script that Susan Laurie Parks wrote that was based on a book by Johan Hari called Chasing the Scream. And Chasing the Scream was a, a, a three banger uh, about Harry Anslinger and, um, and Jimmy Fletcher, who was the first black uh, federal agent uh, uh, and uh, one of the first black federal agents and Billy Holiday and how all three worlds collided. Mm. And, um, and uh, when I read it, I was blown away her script, Susan's, Susan Lloyd Parks' script, because it, well, I, 
I had never understood the significance of of um, of um, strange fruit. Mm -hmm. I'd never understood what the, what those words and those lyrics meant. Now I had seen it with with uh, with um, Diana Ross singing it, but I didn't. It didn't. Those words didn't ring to, true to me until I understood that the government was here to take her down for that. Mm -hmm. And that this, um, you couldn't make this story up, that the government did not want her singing that song because it caused a ruckus. And so they, um, they, uh, they, they couldn't arrest her for, uh, for singing a song. So they knew that she was suffering as a drug addict and they um, and they uh, they started planting drugs on her. And when she was trying to stop, they planted drugs on her, and they paid her boyfriends off because she, you know, she was she had some bad, very bad choice in men. And uh, and um, and they haunted her until the day that she died. As a matter of fact, I think that they're responsible for her death. And uh, yeah, the research was heavy, and it just I had to tell the story because I think that she kicked off the civil rights movement as we know it to be. And uh, and so I, there was no way I was not going to tell this story. Right. Did you um, work with uh, Susan Laurie Parks to uh, hone the script? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that like? That was good. I mean, you know, she's a beast. She's uh, one of the greatest writers of our generation, I believe. You know, she won the Pulitzer Surprise, Pulitzer Prize for a uh, for um, that play that she did with, uh, top with dog. yeah, Top Dog Underdog. Mm -hmm. on Broadway and mm -hmm. uh, and she's incredible. So, um, and she understood the dialect of, of, of American dialect, not just black, but white of that generation. She's a, a strange, uh, she's, she, she, she understands the word. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was really important for me. Right, right. Interesting that she was also uh, a musician, you know? Okay, so I didn't know that. Oh yeah? No, but I would explain why she's doing Aretha too, that miniseries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you get the, so four years ago, mm -hmm. you, you get the idea, uh, the script and you, you vibe to it. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to get it set up? Okay, so I got the script, but there were tons of notes that I had to give to SLP. I just, uh, I felt that um, it was originally like a three banger, sort of similar to what the book was about, right. uh, uh, Johan's book was about. And so, but I felt that we needed more of a love story. And I didn't want to tell, um, I didn't want to tell, um, I didn't want to tell, I wanted to be, more of an espionage sort of love affair. I didn't want to tell a biopic, a straight up biopic. I felt that, you know, America had seen that with Lady Sings the Blues, that it was done, it was epic. You know, mm -hmm. Barry Gordy, I even asked his permission, by the way, before I went off to do this movie. That's how, <laughs> that's how. What did he say? He said, go, go, go with love, my brother, go with love. Mm -hmm. so, hopefully he, so hopefully he'll respond to it when he, when he, when he sees it. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't want to tell the biopic, so I wanted to go in and add it with a completely different, from a completely different lens. And I think that uh, just this moment of time, when she started singing the song, until she died, and we dip back a little bit to understand her, 
her issues with drugs and why she sang the song. Um, a little bit, we go back a little bit in her, in her past, but uh, yeah. Did I answer your question? Uh, yes, yeah, okay. exactly. So, um, but it took you, it took you what? Oh, two, two I, I, I didn't answer. Yeah, yeah. So I had that, you know, I was in TV world where mm -hmm. I'd done Empire and uh, I had done another oh. television show, Star. So I was uh, in this, uh, I was, I guess, grateful that the shows were canceled because I was able to go back to do what it is that I love. And that's, I've forgotten already. It had been a long time since I'd done The Butler. And I, you know, I really, uh, I missed, I missed directing uh, film. And, um, and so I, uh, yeah, we, it, it took me a minute to get the, the financing. I had gone to, we, Joe Roth and I went from studio to studio and they wanted to do the film, but they wanted to do it at a certain budget. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I was just, I was used to it. I mean, I think Joe was sort of taken aback but I sort of smiled because I knew this. I've been through this. I've been through this song and dance with every one of my movies, from Butler to Precious to to Monsters. But I know I knew the drill. I know the Hollywood drill. I know the Hollywood drill with black men and black films and black directors. Yeah. So I knew that we wasn't getting the money from them, the kind of money that we needed to put into this production. Mm -hmm. So um, I did. I you know for his sake, I you know I went through that uh, song and dance, and uh, we were rejected. Um, uh, and uh, and then we raised the money, so that took uh, a little bit of time, but uh, we were able to raise the capital for the film through a black producer named Jordan Fudge, which I'm, I'm really uh, happy about. Oh, great! Yeah, great. yeah. Uh, U.S. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, black guy that uh, really great uh, young kid, but mm -hmm. uh, smart. He also did uh, that uh, the Virgin movie. The, it was a girl. Uh, oh yeah, forty year old. The black girl. Yeah. 40-year-old version. 40-year-old version. Yeah, she used to write for me on Empire. And mm. yeah, so he financed that film too, yeah. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. uh, so you got the money. Yeah. Um, so what did, what did you start with first? You didn't have any stars in the no. film, right? So you got the money without having stars, which is an incredible accomplishment, number one. <laughs> I How mean, many, at this point, I better be able to. I've been doing it for 20 years. If I'm not, I'm, you know, it's as important as uh, as the actual, <clears throat> the art of making films. We don't have the same, uh, we don't have the same luxury as yeah. our um, peers, as our white peers in in um, in uh, trying to raise capital for 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 films. It's a, you know, yeah. it's not an equal thing. I know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but um. But it was it was, we well, we did it and mm -hmm. uh, and I got um, I got the the right money and 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 we were off to the races. I then had to find my leading lady. I was going to ask you. Yeah. You start with that. You start with the story. Well, I started actually with Travante because okay. Travante um, Rhodes. I saw him in Moonlight and was blown away. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to work with him, and I you know I'd given him a couple of. Um, uh, scripts and he didn't. He, he and I gave him this script at first, and he's like, "Ah, I need some work." SLP went back and did some work on it, and uh, and um, and then he liked it. So, and then my hunt began to find. And I had some great actresses to play uh, to play um, Billy. Mm -hmm. Some 
really some incredible actors. But um, Andra, I met with her and I knew what time it was. I mean, she is, uh, she's an artist. Mm -hmm. and she's a singer and she understood, uh, she understood Billy in a way that I didn't even understand Billy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, when I met with her, I, you know, I was nervous because I was like, I don't really want to meet with an actor. Someone I did that before with Gabrielle Sidibe. I was like, I don't know whether I want to do this again. We did it with Precious. I said, I want to do it again. But, uh, but she, uh, she had me talking her into the audition because she didn't even want to do it. She was nervous. She was nervous that she could pull it off. And I knew that she was a perfectionist and she really wanted to honor Billy. She was an incredible singer, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so um, I sent her off to an acting coach. Mm -hmm. Asha Smith and I sent her to a, my great vocal coach, um, Tom Jones, who helped me with Nicole Kidman on uh, Paperboy. Mm -hmm. And um, and she blew me away, man. She blew me away. She just was like, I said, well, this is God speaking. Let me really, um, let me respect him by, uh, or her, by, by um, hiring uh, Andra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, she is amazing. Um, so, um, once you found her and then, you know, you, you have some of your stable people like Miss, Missy Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it had a big role. He's very good. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In structuring the film, mm -hmm. before you started shooting, did you have a way of uh, connecting the music, the particular songs, to the sequences that you were designing? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we figured out the music as we were, as you know, the script was written with certain songs in mind. And they really were attached to the scenes that that made sense. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, you know, uh, you know, rewrites happen, and and and, and so we had to replace uh, some of the songs uh, at the last minute, and uh, and that was a little crazy. But um, yeah, we we got through it. We get we got through it. The beginning, she said, we we before we before we. Um, shot, we did some pre-records of all of the music. Mm -hmm. uh, Salam Raimi, who did all of Amy Winehouse's music, mm -hmm. uh, is the producer of the music. And uh, if you notice it, uh, it has a little bit of bop to it. So it may sound like Billie Holiday and it may feel period, but if you're really, really, if you squint your eyes, you'll hear a modern day, just a little tiny bit of a bop to it. So it doesn't, so we own it for our own. But yeah, so we 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 pre-recorded it, but we had to change some of the uh, the music and and make it live a lot of it when we were um, when we were shooting because the Billy that we knew then wasn't the same Billy that we knew that we we knew as we were shooting in the, terms of the growth of her performance or her, she had evolved as Billie Holiday. She was so down into it that the songs that she sang, which were magnificent. But the pre-records really were not as evolved as she was as the as as Billy. 
So mm-hmm. she, and, and also um, things would happen in the scenes that would change the dynamic of what the meaning of that song was. So mm-hmm. oftentimes I had to have her sing live for a lot of the songs. Strange Fruit is one of them. Uh, um, Pick Foot in a Bottle of Beer is another, another one of them. Lover Man is another one of them, yeah. Right. A little scary, right? Uh, doing it's really live. scary. It's scary. <laughs> but directing ain't for, you know, for, for not to be scaried. Right, right, exactly. Well, I think doing it live is so much better anyway, even though a lot of people get, you know. Totally freaked out. The producers are like freaked out that we're, you know, how that goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, how much of, of the film are you willing to talk about in terms of giving the story away? All of it. I don't, well, oh, sure. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, uh, okay. Maestro. You just you do you tell me what to do. I'm following you. Okay. All right. So I was I was intrigued by watching the development of of the character and some of it in the beginning um, is very traditional, elegant, classy. You know. Um, and then by the time you get to the bus trip where she's on the road um, and where she sees a lynching, that sequence um, was so kinetically different than the rest of the film. When when I got to that point, I said, "Oh damn! You know this is great." <laughs> uh, Lee Lee really went out there. So you want to talk about that sequence? Yeah, it began uh, the the it began really. Oh oh oh! Before you before you talk about it, just to what? let the audience know, what uh, it's the sequence that explains Billy's. Uh, intense desire not to be muffled about singing that song. So it's her reaction, which you created in a non-biopic fashion um, to give that emotional um, or psychological basis for her reason for being, for getting in trouble with the, with the cops. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it started with, um, it started with Jimmy getting high. So he's in the brothel in Baltimore and through a one shot, because you told me don't say one -er, so I ain't gonna say one -er, Okay, Michael, you said don't say one -er to the DGA. So I'm gonna say one shot, like you said, maestro. Um, anyway, so to that one shot, we we have Jimmy uh, shooting up, and young Billy is walking him through her. Why it is that she she's she's walking him through the brothel that she grew up in, and 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 so we're already in a high state. What 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 is happening here? Um, and then we come back to the bus uh, for a sec, 
and uh, she has to go to the bathroom and she walks out and that's where it really begins. We, she goes to the bathroom and she sees, uh, she hears the kids crying and, uh, and then she looks up to see a cross and then she looks up to see the bodies of, um, the body of a woman that's hanging from a tree held up by her husband. And we pan back around to see Billy's reaction, which is just what you would think it would be. And, uh, and then um, uh, um, Jimmy is try, try, tries to console her. She runs from him to a nearby shack where we're in this labyrinth of, of her head. And in her head, um, we see Jimmy, uh, she's trying to, Jimmy's trying to you know, help her, console her. And uh, he, she pushes him away and she's searching, she's searching, constantly searching in this shack. Uh, and she meets up with her friends um, and they're trying to console her, she can't. There's the drug man, he can. The drug man tries to help her, Billy, Jimmy comes from nowhere. And, uh, and, um, and she- Knocks the needle away. Snatched, yeah, and then she just she freaked out. And then she, whatever that is, that moment, it gives her the courage to go out and sing Strange Fruit. Hardest thing I've ever done before in my life. I don't want to do it again. You can have all those little one shots or oneers, whatever you want to call them. Right. It was the hardest thing. I don't think I'm going to do that again because it was almost like it was like a. It was like a. I understand what it's like to be a football player now because it's a t it's teamwork. If one person dropped the ball, man, it we it's a start all over again. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> so how many uh, how many take did you do did it, you got it. it well we did it three takes but the first take we got it because everything else was so we were so we i couldn't believe uh you know h my yeah of course eight days was my my ad he was yeah. in tears i'm in tears production designers in tears everybody's in tears we worked so hard mm -hmm. on it and uh and um it was so authentic that first uh take that, first take that yeah. other two, the other two were, they were the safety takes the safety. On, the, on the floor, right? Yeah, I was praying because yeah. we shot in film. I was praying to God that there was no problem with that take. Mm, mm, right. Well, that's pretty good. How, how long did you rehearse it before you actually rolled film? With the actors that, uh, just the same day. But in the with, camera? You know. Yeah, but H and my br brilliant cinematographer who worked with me on the butler, and he also worked with me on uh, Precious. What's um, his name? His name is Andrew Dunn, mm -hmm. who's, you know, I mean, he, he's- uh, He's great. Yeah. yeah, and he's incredible. And uh, it's all his work. And I'm just, I'm just sort of looking over his shoulder as he's, as he's doing, as he's really doing the work. So it's, uh, it, was, it was a very emotional, uh, really emotional moment for me to actually, cause I, you know, that happened, mm. you know? Women were lynched. Right. This, you know, so we're we're shooting this. It's 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 like live theater, but I think everybody was so traumatized because this did go down. Right. And it's so hard to uh, be in. It's so hard to. You're sort of an outer body experience is the best way to describe it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I I thought it was brilliantly designed, and I can't imagine Andra doing it more than once, you know, <laughs> and, and, and keeping that intensity because it's, it's extremely emotional and intense. Yeah. H, H, H and, uh, and my, and Dan Durant's my, uh, 
production designer and um, and uh, and Andrew and I worked on it for about a week. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so when we were talking off camera, you you told me you shot it in uh, Montreal. Shot in Montreal. Looks like New York, right? It, it, it's right? Yeah. 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 I we did a couple we did a moment in uh in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't supposed to say that though. Times so, Square. No, we didn't shoot that in time. We shot that in, in Montreal, that Times Square moment. We shot in uh in um, you know, they have a park that looks just like Central Park in uh in um it is a replica of Central Park, same uh architect designed oh, yeah. that um same designer designed that uh, park that we shot in, uh, mm. our version of Central Park, and also uh, Times Square. But uh, yeah, we shot it all in Montreal. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a great shot, her walking in the rain. Yeah, okay. baby. That's the hooker walk. We call that the hooker strut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how did you do that? Is that um, graphic? Uh... Lots of, yeah. Lots of graphic design in back of it. but based on, it's Dan Dorrance doing an incredible job, really just laying out, the, we found the correct buildings that he could then design to. Mm -hmm. And then it rained and we had cars and a combination of both. Uh, I, I thought the rain was great. <laughs> well, the rain was not intentional. The rain was yeah. God's work. Yeah, yeah for sure. It made it look, uh, it added so much to that scene. And did you shoot her coming out of the building the same day, the same night? Everything happened the same day. Okay. Everything at the same night, rather. Everything yeah. was all. It was yeah. all in uh, that same that same moment. Yeah. Yeah. That that was perfect. And then it stopped raining by the time she got to the steps. Mm-hmm. Then we had to get fake rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what else do I want to? ask you about uh, let's talk about how beautiful the film looks um you want to talk about your <clears throat> how much time you spent with the with the production designer and, mm -hmm. and i don't think that you know they give us um i don't think that they give us um we never have the money to well most filmmakers all filmmakers really we, is there ever enough money but in particular with you know with African-American films, they give you five dollars and go say, go make it, you know? And I really wanted to do right by Billie Holiday. It was so important for me to do right by Billie Holiday. And also um, just to um, spend time with, with fashion um, because my grandmother, and I wanted to honor my grandmom. I wanted to honor my, all of my aunts and uncles uh, mm -hmm. in Philadelphia and in Harlem that dressed that way. And, um, and it's not just about the dress, but it's also about the backdrop that's on the dress to accentuate the dress. So it was um, it was a it was a great marriage with uh, between the production designer and uh, and, and my Paulo uh, and 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 Andrew. It really was we 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 it was a painstakingly um, arduous uh, assignment to make sure that every outfit matched uh, the room that uh, we were in. Right, right. The, um, was the production designer um, a Montreal person? No, uh -uh. 
I mean, that's, they tried to push it on me, but I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I used Dan Dorrance, who worked with me on Paperboy. Okay, okay. And, and the costumer? Who, uh, Paulo Nidu, who worked with me on, um, on um, Empire, who created all of Cookies and all mm-hmm. of that fashion there. And he sort of knows me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he knows what I, what I want. And I reached out to Prada was was really excited about working with me. So Prada did uh, most of the gowns for Billy. It, it looks fantastic. So, um, but the detail, the, the attention to detail in the sets and the, uh, not only the set design, <clears throat> but the, um, uh, all the furniture and, and the Thank textures you. in the furniture, you. you know. And, you know I think some of the hardest stuff was really Charles Gregory has passed away. Did you work? Have you worked with Charles Gregory before? Black um, hairdresser, wig maker. No, he passed no. away from COVID. Oh wow! So talented, so very very talented. And he passed mm-hmm. away after he did this film, and um, yeah. and his wigs are incredible. His wigs are great. Everybody has. All the men are wearing wigs. Travante's wear. All the men. Rob Morgan. All the guys are wearing mm-hmm. wigs for yeah. the most part. Yeah. And Andrea's in a wig for most of the most of it, and it's seamless. The work is just like, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, watch it one more time. You know, brother. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the the singing live. Um, how many days did you have for the entire production shooting? Uh, 35, I think 35. Wow. Don't quote me, I think 35. I think we had a, we had a couple of pickups. So mm-hmm. I maybe a couple of days past that. Yeah. Right, great. And you shot with uh, three cameras and decided to shoot it anamorphic? Yes, sir. What did you, what did you use, Panavision? Panavision. Okay. All right. <laughs> Gorgeous. I, mean, I guess many, not many people are shooting on film these days. And, you know, my producers are like, yeah. this is going to cost you, you know, the usual producer talk. This is going to cost you $350,000, $400,000. And it was so, I've never shot on anything but film. So, mm-hmm. like, my, my movies. And so um, I really um, was like, nope. But if I had known that we was going to be in this pandemic situation and then we end up on Hulu, right. I would, I, for sure, I would have, I would have pocketed that money and made some money off the movie because I certainly didn't make any off of it. <laughs> I would have. Yeah, yeah. Well, it. I don't think. It would I don't have think been. many people are shooting on film these days, too. I well, mean, like, it's like, like, I don't think that people are even shooting on film. I think it's obsolete. You know, almost Spielberg and <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a few people who still shoot on film, but it is almost obsolete. But I don't think you would get the look. It was important to feel, Michael, it was really important for me to transport you into a place that you would seamlessly believe was uh, the 50s. And that, that, we were, that we shot it, that I wanted you to think that, okay, this movie was shot in the 70s or the 80s to make you feel like you're in the 50s. Um, and because we couldn't have, we couldn't go out in the streets. You know, I do a lot of, uh, and some people are bumped by it, but I, you know, fuck them. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I needed to, because um, I couldn't afford to shoot in the streets, you know, mm -hmm. all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the cars and, you know, what that scene is like. I, I decided to um, um, find footage of uh, Harlem and uh, old footage and sort of mix it into the world. And I thought what I think is, a, is an honest way that mm -hmm. is sort of seamless. I, I thought not only was it seamless, I thought it was very, very well integrated in the stuff you shot. Thanks. Uh, and, and kind of beautiful transitions into, from black and white into the, into the film. Thank you. You know, and um, very artistic. Yeah. So what I, I was trying to be, you know, I didn't want to seem pretentious. I didn't, I didn't want it to come across as pretentious, but you know, when you're backed in a corner, you have to think creatively really quick how to get out of that corner. Cause I had to show the streets of Harlem. I couldn't afford the streets of Harlem. One, I wasn't in Harlem. Two, even if I was in Harlem, I couldn't afford to shoot in Harlem. And so it doesn't look that way anyway. <laughs> right? Doesn't look. <laughs> so uh, I had to really come up with something quick and I had to integrate it into the story in such a way that it was the fabric of what, the, of the storytelling. Mm, right. But my brother doesn't um, like it. My brother says it's sort of he don't he's not, he don't care for it. But uh, you know, really? No. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I I thought it worked really well. I did not miss being out in the streets, and I thought when you were there with the uh, with the footage that you had, mm -hmm. it took me there. You know. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, how what was the budget? I cannot say. I signed an NDA. Okay. But it, but it, it was it knowing was knowing what the budget was. Mm -hmm. There was no way you could be. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't as much as you think it was. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, how was your experience working in Canada? Wonderful. Really great. The, um, the cruise. Oh my God! I mean, it's really great. You know. Um, there's a disconnect um, between can, like how Canadians think and how Americans think. And once you get past that, um, it's interesting, you know? Um, and I think that there's some, they think that we're a little arrogant a little bit, you know? Um, and I just think there's a little bit of a disconnect. I think the only problem that I had with shooting in, uh, in Montreal was, was that, you know, we were shooting Harlem and it was really, really hard to find uh, uh, black people in Harlem, not black people in, in, in Montreal, not black people, because you could find black people, but they were not, they didn't look American. They were, they were Nigerian. They were, they were, they were from other parts of the world. And uh, so I had to really be careful with the extras. That was the hardest uh, part of, that was really the hardest part of uh, shooting in Montreal, black people. Right, right. But I, I found shooting in Canada that the crews, it, are so good. Ain't they good? They are so Yeah, they're good, man. They, yep. they do not fool around. You know, mm -hmm. they are they are dedicated. They have an incredible work ethic. Yeah. Um, and they put out 150% uh, to give you what you want, you know. Um, I found. So uh, I don't I don't think the picture would have looked as good if you shot it in the States. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I think you may be right. I think you may be right. You know? Yeah. Um, 
So how long, oh, let's talk about the editing. Yes. So who, who were you? Davidowitz. You know, I was, I wanted him since I saw him in, um, he edited uh, one of my favorite films, David Fincher, was David Fincher directed that, uh, the movie, oh, about drugs. Oh man. Anyway, he did the movie that I think, God, I can't, I'm, I'm giving a brain freeze, but he is a brilliant editor and, um, and he let me be me, you know, he let me be me. And yet he, he understood what I was trying to get at with the movie, which was that I was trying to make it, make you, the whole movie should feel jazzy. Like, yeah. you know, like, a, like you're listening to a jazz album and simultaneously that you are, um, that you are, um, that you're a little high, maybe a little minimally a glass of wine, definitely mm -hmm. some marijuana. And if I'm doing my job right, I, uh, you know, a little, spacey with the heroin a little tiny bit you know yeah. uh, so um i think that it was edited in, in into that way I, one of my favorite uh, moments of his edit was when he and he did this all by himself was when uh billy gets married and um and she um to the to the, uh, lewis mckay and mm -hmm. uh, and they go on this european tour and he popped this uh i think it was a uh, um i forget who's singing the song, I think it's uh, either Duke Ellington or someone. And he puts the song in and it just goes pop, 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 pop. And you see this black experience, this European black experience that just was like, wow, you know? Uh, and, you, and it really, cap, it really, it really uh, tells you um, what Billy went through up until she started falling. And what I loved about working with Jay was, was that, uh, you know, oftentimes you work with, um, white um, department heads mm -hmm. that, um, that don't see the world oftentimes through the same lens that we do. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, 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 there's a clash. You know, my experience with this film, it's a black experience. Not everybody's gonna see it or understand it because they haven't lived the life that I've lived or, or you have lived and lived the, see the world through the lens that we see the world. It was really interesting with Precious, you know, that people didn't understand the world because they, you know, and sometimes it's universal, you know, sometimes it's completely it's universal. The human condition is universal, but Jay really understood my lens mm -hmm. and um, um, Requiem for a Dream is what he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, a, he's a beast. Mm. He's, yeah. Uh, so tell us, because when we were talking on the phone the other day, yeah, uh, you told me that you, you had not intended that to be a montage. No. It was too long. It was too long. And so, you know, and that's what was so genius about what Jay did. Cause you know, I'm, I want it, but that's in the director's cut. You just pontiff, uh, Kate. You just, <laughs> right. you just be doing your thing, you know? Right. And then I say, no, like, this movie's too long, yo. Cut, cut it. Cut, come on back. Come back, little Sheba. Come back. Right. So, um, so uh, yeah, we, uh, he just, he picked the moments. He picked the moments. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. That, that, that's but what I've I've been really about. blessed with, yeah. with, with my department heads. They're, they're incredible. Well, you, you know, you picked the people, you know? And the, and the great thing is if you pick the right people, 
you don't have to do that much work, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not it really is true. A, a lot it, of I think that everybody knew at the end of the day that we were trying to tell a story that was important and a, a story that is um that is relevant to right now that we're living in. We are living in a very dangerous, scary time in America, of which I know that none of us have seen. And I think that it's I think that it's uh it's this it's like the civil war. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's time for um I think that it, I think that man, I think that um everybody bought their A game because they knew the, how important this story was. Mm-hmm. You know, that and um it was their con we're all artists at the end of the day, and all we're trying to do is um do something that will um that we can be proud of. And um and this story is uh this makes me proud to be an American. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You want to talk about how the heck you got the performance out of Andre Day? Uh the, oh. Did you, did you have, what did they have now? They have these uh, uh, intimacy coordinators. <laughs> okay, so here, that was a hard one, right? Because um, I was going over and that guy was the one day I was determined to be on time. And the sex scene was, I like to get my sex scenes in or any graphic scenes or anything that is, uh, that I feel that the actors will be queasy about upfront. Mm-hmm. And so that was probably one of the first things that we shot yeah. was that scene. And um, man, um, they saw Lady Sings the Blues and I said, listen, y'all gotta come with me. Y'all gotta bring me 2021. What is this version of that chemistry? What, what is that? What is that? And, uh, and uh, when we were in the space, I wanted it not to be gratuitous. Mm. And, it, 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 and I wanted at the same time for us to feel the sexualness that Billy had experienced just like we eat bread and butter. So this was something that was that was her life. She grew up in a brothel. She was a prostitute. You know, she was a sex addict. She, you know, she was also queer. So sex was uh, as important to her as singing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to display that, but she didn't know how to love. So we, you know, it was about shifting gears at the last minute, um, which was really hard for me to do because I had never directed anything as graphic as that. Yeah. Uh, um, but so well done in terms you, of man. making that shift, you know, from sex to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that- the And then love- Jay's edit, Jay's edit, how he sort of took us through the rest of the tour. And as the music is playing, we realize at the end of the bus tour, you know, and then the bus breaks down that she don't know how to do this. She don't want to do this. She doesn't, she doesn't, it's not in her to do it. Yeah, that makes me cry. That's the sad. It scared her. Yeah, scared her. Scared her. Um, So, was that Susan Laurie Park's line? Um, Is that about control? Yeah, SLP. Yeah, yeah. Really, really great to have a female write a female part. You know. Yeah. (laughs) So so incisive. 
in terms of all the inner workings of the lady, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's great. You, you, you did good. You know? Thank you, brother. I think it means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Um, so have we covered all the bases? Um, yeah, I think we have. I think we've talked about the music. We've talked about the fashion. We've talked about the, the costumes. We've talked about the uh, actors. I love giving opportunities to, uh, you know, with, you know, with the butler, I had an all-star cast right. and it was important to, I wanted Billy's story to, um, I wanted Billy's story. I want us to really focus on Billy. So I uh, put together for the most part, a group of unknown actors with the exception of, uh, with the exception of Natasha Leone and Garrett. But mm. for the most part, they were all first timers or close to first timers. And it was, uh, it was great. It was great. It was, uh, it was a highlight of my life for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think we covered it all. What's what's next? I don't know. Oh, you know what? What I'm what, looking to look out. Got to find a job. What we didn't talk about was doing this in the COVID, in the period of COVID. Oh my God! Uh, yeah. So how are you working, Michael, in it. I mean, how are you able to work in it? Because I haven't. I did one. I did a a pickup. I did a um, an additional shot. Um, on the set of Paramount, mm -hmm. but that was crazy, man. I don't know how, I don't know how to, like, I don't know what that's <laughs> about. Like, are, and you're working right now, right? Uh, I, I, no, not right now, but I will be next month. So, uh, but I did uh, two back-to-back -back episodes of a show called All American. Yeah. It was the, one of the first shows back to work on the Warner lot. Was that crazy? So, Oh yeah, going through all of the um, all of the restrictions and the testing, the daily testing, and what should have taken sixteen days mm -hmm. took, uh, took an extra week. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 um, we started editing, and just as I finished my director's cut, um, the lockdown happened. Oh. Okay. And, yeah, and so, um, and then the George Floyd thing happened. Right. George Floyd, I think first was a George Floyd, there was a lockdown and then it was George Floyd, I believe. Right. And, um, and it, you could not make it up because I was, I was uh, we were in the edit bay and uh, someone sent me a text of a, a, a woman singing Strange Fruit in the midst of, uh, of, of, of the, of the marches and she was singing it and the plane was going overhead and the fire trucks was coming and the cops were around and you couldn't make it up. It was almost like Billy, Billy's lines were, you, you cannot make, you couldn't make it up. And, um, but I think the problem with the edit for me um, was that I wasn't able to get a test audience. And this was the first mm -hmm. time that I wasn't able to test the film ordinarily. They had mm -hmm. me testing it on this laptop here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I had like a, like, 50, I don't know, 50, uh, maybe a hundred faces that looked this little, you know, yeah. and, and, and eating pizza, smoking cigarettes, getting up, picking their noses, going to the bathroom. I closed the freaking laptop. I was like, this is, I'm not going to do it. I don't care. So the film has not been, I just showed it to a couple, I said a couple of director friends of mine who gave me some great notes, some good actors and um, a couple writers. And uh, you know, so uh -huh. what you see is what you get. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I hope it's good. It is good. It Thank is. you. I, I loved it. And I think we, I think we are almost out of time. Um, and, you know, I, I think what would be great, um, and we don't get enough chance to do this as directors, uh, is to be able to support each other in that process that you're talking about. It's like, you got it together. Let me get some input, you know, from people that I respect and talk to because Lucas and Spielberg and those guys, they, they grew up that way. They grew up working together, you know? And uh, I think for us, you know, I think it's really great. I think we're at a place right now that um, we had to be only, I don't even know what it was like for you, mm. uh, Michael. I can't imagine what it was like for you. You know, I was in high school, I think when I saw Cooley High. Yeah, it, it was one of the movies that changed again my life. And um, I think that, um, I think that, you know, coming up in the business as a black man, you had to be the only spot in the spot. And so there wasn't really this camaraderie that we are currently having right now. Yeah. And it's, really a, it's, a, it's a new day, a new world. It's a really and, it's a great day. <laughs> it's and, a and it's great only going to get better. And I think we're out of time. You'll be my Spielberg. How about that? Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, yes, sir. On, on the movie, I hope people love it as much as I do. Thank and, you, Bill. Yeah. Thank you, brother. And thank you for doing this for me. I really appreciate it. You know, it's great fun for me. So thank you for asking. All right. Take God care. bless. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Robin Wright, Vigo Mortensen, and Anthony and Joe Russo. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.